Well, hey friends, good morning, wherever you are. Hopefully you're safe and well, wherever you are this morning. And it's just so great to kind of be together in a really different environment for us. If we haven't met, by the way, or if you're just kind of checking this out or stumbled across this and you're not part of a community, uh, my name is Drew and I'm a part of a great community here called Praxis Church, just a beautiful community of people that practices the way of Jesus together. And normally we're together on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at Goodwill Industries and we have a great time together every Sunday morning with music and teaching, kids and youth programs up to grade eight, all sorts of great stuff communion together in community. But obviously this morning's a little different. I would say that unprecedented times comes for some unprecedented measures for us. And so obviously, you know by now, we've had to cancel our gathering this morning because of COVID-19 and all that's going on around the world. And we just really want to be thinking about you and how we approach this. And so as things have unfolded really rapidly the last couple of days, we felt like this is probably the best environment for us this morning to engage in the scriptures and come around a little bit of a liturgy together. And then we'll take it kind of day by day over the next couple weeks and see how things are going. We know in Ontario, schools are closed for a little bit here. So we just want to be cautious and thinking through these things and also be good neighbors in the city and place where God has placed us. So this is unique for us. Obviously, our teachings are online every week in audio form, but here we are. And what we're going to do is we're just going to have a little liturgy together. Um, Some of you are probably in your pajamas or your Snuggie. I know, Kevin Carino, you're watching. You're in your Snuggie. No, there's no guilt, no shame in that. Just enjoy in your Snuggie. Turn on the fire. Maybe grab a Bible if you want. But here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to do this in a, in a few different parts. In a minute, what's going to happen is we're just going to read the Psalms together. We do this every single week in our gatherings. We just love the idea of not just singing, but actually drawing the Psalms out. So every week in our gathering, a Psalm goes up and we read it collectively. And so in a couple seconds, a Psalm is going to come up and we're going to read it out loud. Psalm 95 together, which is going to be fantastic. Then that's going to lead into some music. And this may be a little weird for you. And I totally get it. You're sitting where you are, maybe watching on a laptop or a TV or whatever. You can do this however you want. You can listen to the music and just reflect, maybe close your eyes. I don't know how you want to do it. Sing along. That's amazing. Uh, We just feel like to center ourselves before we come around the scripture, we're going to take some time, have some music together. The really cool thing though is, is in the whole process of this particular Sunday morning, like today, It was already a unique Sunday for us because once every quarter we have family Sunday where there's no kids and youth programs and Because it's March break every year We tend to do this on this particular Sunday and during those Sundays we have the kids involved And so even though we're not in physical form this morning after the music the kids are actually going to come and read the text for us Which is amazing. So if you have a Bible and you want to open it up or open on your phone It's going to be John chapter 4 And they're going to read actually the message paraphrase of this story of the woman at the well, which is going to be beautiful. And so these guys are going to lead us and read that. And then there's going to be a short video, spoken word on the woman at the well. And then we'll kind of conclude by coming around the scriptures together. And so that's kind of our trajectory. That's where we're headed. That's the plan for us this morning and today. Thanks for hitting play and joining us. And I just would love to open up in prayer, if that's all right, and just pray just pray for our world and all that's going on and um, pray for you. So Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for everybody who's watching this. 
God, we know the church is a gathering. It's a collection of people. Um, but I just pray that even through this kind of means for this morning, that you just have your way. Work and move among us, I pray, through the liturgy and the songs and everything that comes together. Thank you that your hope and life, I pray for our world, I pray for our city right now. There's a ton of fear, but God, may we be people that don't embody fear, but we embody your presence and ultimately embody your end goal for all of creation, which is rebirth and renewal and you saving the entire cosmos. We want to jump in and join in with you on that. So I pray that fear would be cast aside. Be among us in this music as we read the scriptures and everything that happens. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we do this? It's on the screen. Let's read Psalm 95 together. It says this. You can open up your mouth uh, with me if you want and let's say it. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria, he came into Sakar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob and had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. Said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and the swell is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you better? Are you a better than man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug the swell up and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, Go call your husband and then come back. She said, and I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You've, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, 
also you are a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, at the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you, what, what, when what you're called will not matter, and where you, where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very beginning, their spirits, the true selves. The woman said, I do not know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, his disciples came back. They were, shock they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left in her confusion. She left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, Come and see the man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see, to see it for themselves. <laughs> Tired and thirsty, journey far from home, he sat alone, hot. The warmth could be consumed, it was about noon. Carrying her racial barriers on her shoulders, Jews refused to speak or even be near Samaritans, but Jesus was thirsty. Please, will you give me a drink? The reality that this Jewish man was speaking to her, a Samaritan woman, was highly unlikely. Shocked by the strange speech, confused by his vulnerability. Um, sir, are you talking to me? Can't you see? You are a Jew and we are mortal enemies. 
Why in the world would you ask me for a drink? You just don't know, do you? You can't grasp, can't imagine the gift God has for you are tired and thirsty. If you knew who I am, you would ask, and I will give you water that lasts. But sir, you don't even have a cup for your own water. What can you give me? Who do you think you are? Living water? What does that even mean? The world is thirsty and dry. You and others continue to try drinking this water that never truly satisfies, attempting to cope with this broken world and yet are constantly craving hope. You may be in this desert, but I am the oasis, pouring this living water to refresh your parched soul. Yes, this water will continue to flow from within, no matter how low you may feel, no matter how sick, no matter how ill. This water is not a mere pill. It will heal completely and deeply from the inside, gushing up like a spring, giving you peace from above, giving you supernatural joy, restoring your love every single day, every hour, every moment, pouring into you life eternal please this is the type of water i need i'm thirsty i'm tired of this daily journey i'm ashamed lonely please will you get me a drink go get your husband i'm i don't i'm 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 not i i don't have a husband you speak truth. I value who you are. I see those scars left on your heart. You've tried with the last five, but no man could fully appreciate you. And this dude is just an unsatisfying plague too. Wow. How? You must be prophetic. Sent by the most high. Well, sir, you seem smart. Tell me why does religion cause so much division? Why is Sunday 11 a.m. the most divided hour? Why do they insist so strongly that we worship that way, their way, over there in that building? Listen, my dear sister. The hour is here now where those walls will be torn down. No mountain, no building, no temple or cathedral because worship is not about the location. Worship is not confined to four walls because the spirit rolls out rushing like a river. Worship is not just based on the material because our father is spiritual. Thus, he desires intimacy for those who deny lies, those who worship in spirit and in truth. Indeed. There are so many questions and many answers I seek. I know the Messiah will come soon, the Savior, the Christ. He will explain everything. My dear, I am He. Now, friends, that is a beautiful telling, a retelling of this amazing story where Jesus encounters a woman at 
a well. And we want to take a couple minutes uh, in this environment just to wrestle through this story and talk about this. If you don't know, we have been on a journey as a community, a pretty long journey, walking through the seasons of the liturgical church calendar. And you may or may not know that the church for hundreds of years has had this calendar that has led Christians around the world in the different seasons of this particular calendar. It starts with Advent in December, moves to Christmas, and Christmas in the church calendar is actually 12 days. That's where you get the 12 days of Christmas. Then into the season of Epiphany after Christmas, where we celebrate Jesus coming to us as Gentile people, which is amazing. And now we are in the season called Lent. And basically Lent is a 40-day period in preparation for Easter. It's kind of a solemn time in the church calendar that is marked by prayer and fasting. Many of you guys, I know there's ton of there's a ton of people in our community that are fasting and abstaining from different things. Some people are giving up Facebook, others are giving up coffee, God bless you, or sugar, or meat, or whatever along the way, which is pretty incredible. One of the things that we do as a practicing community is we always practice the spiritual disciplines together. So right now, our spiritual discipline is fasting. And if you want to join in with us, we are fasting as a community one day a week from Sunday sundown on one day to sundown the next. And there are a ton of resources if you want at our website. If you want to go there and find out more about fasting and this spiritual discipline, there's a lot there that could help you, including recommended readings and a podcast that we actually produced uh, last year that really helps answering the question why we would fast. But this is the season we're in, and I don't think there's any better text than John chapter 4 and this story of the woman at the well. And what it actually means for us in this moment, kind of as we prepare our hearts for Easter. Now, I'll say this. You may not catch this, and maybe you haven't read the Bible much, or maybe you have, and it's just kind of gone over your head. But John chapter 2, 3, 4, and I think John chapter 5, all deal with Jesus coming. And one of the things he does is he really challenges the Jewish religious systems of the day. And you may not catch it, but that's actually the story. So actually a few chapters earlier, Jesus goes to a wedding and he turns water into wine, which is... uh Sounds like a good thing to me. You know what I'm saying? This is a pretty cool story, how Jesus is taking the institution of a wedding and he actually brings life to the party. Then he goes to the temple. If you know the story, he flips over tables in the temple and really challenges what's happening in the temple. The temple has become this place of... Um, buzz and activity and there's trade and all sorts of things and Jesus flips the tables and challenge it cha- really challenges that system and calls the temple to be a, a house of prayer so pushing against the institution of a, the wedding and what's happening there the temple then the next chapter is this story that we looked at last week where Jesus confronts this guy named Nicodemus Nicodemus was a Pharisee one of the most educated brilliant guys in all of Judaism would have been like an elder in the community and Jesus does this audacious thing he calls this man to be born again to like have this new life to have this rebirth to be born of the spirit which would have been like unthinkable in the moment because you think about it this was like one of Israel's teachers he would have known the whole old testament by heart he would have been like the bible professor of the day and now this messiah comes along and says to him basically that he needs to have a new life and so you we want you to feel it and john the writer of this gospel wants you to feel it as well that jesus is here and he's unsettling things in a good way 
if you're the follower of the Messiah, he's really disturbing their cultural symbols and their religious symbols of the Jewish people. Now, with all that said, you may not realize that there's actually another cultural symbol in their day that was important. And it'll go over our head if we don't talk about it and, and kind of make note of it. And that's the reality that wells, yes, wells, where people fetched water. Those were really significant things in the first century and were actually really cultural things in ancient Palestine. Um, very central uh, landmarks in ancient Palestine and a part of their culture in a really deep and beautiful way as far as how not only did wells give people physical water, but there was a lot that happened around these particular wells. Now, I'll say this, and this isn't me making this saying that this is the way it should be. This is how it was in the first century. It was actually young women that would go out each day in that culture and they would fetch water for their family for the day. And in the process, what happened is that wells actually became locations that served as social gathering places that there were actually communities formed around these wells as people, as women would go out to get the water, it almost became like a third place or space for people to gather, which can sound really odd to us because most of us are city folk and we have indoor plumbing, which I think most of us are thankful for. Maybe some of you live on the outskirts or the edge of the city and you have to draw water from a well or whatever, but there's usually new technology to do that. So it's kind of hard for us to wrap our mind around, but wells in the first century were these gathering spots, these places where people would come around and legitimately form and build relationships. One person, and I don't know if this is entirely true, but one person would equate it today to our coffee shops. It was like a third space where people gathered together. Now, with all of that said, Jesus comes, and we may not feel the weight of it, but it's a pretty weighty story because Jesus comes to this woman, and he meets her at a well and begins a discussion with her. And there are things happening here that, listen, as we journey towards Easter, I just don't want us to miss as a community. There are things happening in this story that are weighty, that are actually, when you lean into it, are pretty significant in the cultural landscape of what's happening and then obviously in the spiritual landscape of what Jesus is actually going to offer this woman. So there's basically, just for, for being online, for simplicity's sake, there's just three things I want you to catch, I want our community to catch around this particular story. First thing is this. In this story, Jesus breaks down racial barriers. This is what happens. Now, you may not necessarily feel it, but the cultural context of that particular day, what Jesus does here is he breaks down racial barriers. The lady, the woman in this story is like kind of mind blown that Jesus is even talking to her. This is what she says. She says, you did, she says to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And you may read that and go, why, why the hostility? Well, there was significant hostility in that moment between Jews and Gentiles. And we, I know there's all sorts of things in our cultural moment, all things, you know, sorts of things going on in the world, but it ran deep in this moment. Many Jewish rabbis, which Jesus was, many Jewish rabbis, they would actually avoid going through Samaria. There was a road that would go at the north of Jerusalem to Jericho and up, and it would go around the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And many people would take that long road and not go through Samaria because they did not want to be seen or go through 
an area that was kind of seen as unclean or with unpure Samaritan people. Because the Samaritans, they actually had a history. They were half Jews. Don't have a ton of time to talk about the depth of the history, but they were half Jews. And so the Jewish community, including the rabbis, very much despised this community, so much so that they would go all the way out and around. And some say they would actually, to go north into into northern Israel, it would take almost a week longer to travel the road around Samaria. So not everybody did this, but many pious people would not go through Samaria because of its uncleanness, if that's how you want to put it. And here we have Jesus who takes the road right in. And not only that, he goes to one of their signposts. Obviously on a long journey, he's probably thirsty. He was human. Um, and here he meets this woman. But you cannot, you, we, we cannot lose the weight of what Jesus is doing racially here between these two groups. One of the things that's happening is Jesus is, already putting in motion, drawing these two groups together. And as we get to Easter, we're continually reminded that Jesus didn't just come for one person or one group of people, but the whole reconciling mission was for everybody. And it's kind of spinning into motion here as Jesus meets a Samaritan of all people, which is amazing. Then though, the second thing that Jesus breaks down is he also breaks down gender barriers, gender barriers. Now, not only was there division between Jews and Gentiles or Jews and Samaritans, but there was massive division in the first century between male and female. It was a, if you know, and you know this time in history, it was a particular way of life. It really was. There was all sorts of pride within even Jewish males that they were men. Here's a couple sayings that have been noted from the first century. Some would say, I thank God that I wasn't, this is Jewish people, by the way, Jews and rabbis would say, thank God I wasn't born a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. Can you believe, that's actually something that these guys would say, or they'd say things like this, I'd rather be a dog than a Samaritan or a woman. Now, with that in mind, are you picking up what I'm putting down? What Jesus is doing here is actually quite radical. In many ways, it's unthinkable. We take it for granted today in our moment, uh, egalitarian moment, which I'm super thankful for, by the way. I have a daughter. She's going to change the world. Uh, She already is changing the world. I love the freedom that she has. She can be educated. She can go and she can really do what she wants to do. And she's going to take care of her parents in old, old age. So it's all good. We're all, we're setting this thing up really, really great, but I'm, I'm thankful for that world that we live in, but it was different. We take it for granted in our moment and other, just to let you know, other rabbis reading this story that Jesus would not only go to a Samaritan, but to a woman would have lost their minds. I can only imagine what the disciples were doing in this moment as they were traveling with Jesus and this kind of unfolds because this doesn't happen with a first century Jewish rabbi. This does not happen. He does not go to a space where Samaritans are and typically, obviously, he does not go to a place in space where women are. So these barriers are being blown up and Jesus is showing us a particular way, but it doesn't actually stop there. Jesus goes one step farther. If you begin to, you continue to read the story and the depths of the story, Jesus doesn't just break down racial barriers or gender barriers. He also breaks down lifestyle barriers. So this woman, the past that she had would probably not be equated to somebody who would follow the ways of God. 
She had a number of husbands. She was living with somebody who wasn't her husband. In that day and time and space, that would have been pretty much despicable to the Jewish community listening to that. There was an order and a way that they thought the world worked. And yet, it's interesting with Jesus. Jesus embodied a life that said, come as you are, but he never let people go living the same way. People didn't leave the same when they were around Jesus. It's just interesting because so oftentimes the church wants to have a posture where we want to be the truth warriors. We want to point out what people are doing wrong. We want people to get cleaned up and then they can kind of come to us. And Jesus seemed to welcome the outsider. This is what he did. He was perfect and yet he always welcomed broken people that you would never expect would come into the kingdom of God. And I would just say that this, is, has, this has been, at times, the church's struggle, and yet Jesus absolutely obliterates these lifestyle issues. Even deeper, to offer, and this is absolutely insane, if you don't know, to offer somebody water in the first century, like Jesus does here, and offering not just physical water, but eternal life, as we know the story unfolds. But even, even to offer somebody a drink in the first century was a sign of friendship. And this is what Jesus is doing. As a Jewish male rabbi in the first century, he is offering this way of life to a Samaritan woman. Guys, this story is completely upside down. And just to remind you, just to remind you, that this, is, this story is more than just about water. Certainly there's the physical water, there's the well, there's the third culture space, all the dynamics that are going on. But this is, way, this is about way more than just a glass of water. This is about living water. This is about salvation or everlasting life, life that will not end. This is what Jesus is offering. You know, this woman asked Jesus, are you greater than our father Jacob? And Jesus is basically like, yep. And we begin to see, as you see what Jesus is offering this woman, that this is about the passing of the old covenant and the ushering in new creation or the new covenant. Something is happening here where Jesus is beginning this reconciliation project. And he begins in some ways in the gospel of John with a woman that's a Samaritan at a well. And I think we need to notice here that no longer do people have to worship in Jerusalem or a temple. Jesus gets into this, that his followers, the people that will worship him, will worship in spirit and in truth. There's no longer this thing where we have to go to a temple in the Middle East, but God's presence is going to be given. This everlasting life is given. And it ties right into what we talked about last week, that to be born of the spirit, now we worship in spirit and in truth. So don't miss it. This is more than just a glass of water. And it is more than just, hey, this really great Messiah inviting somebody in. This is about what they're inviting. This is, this is about what Jesus is inviting this woman into. It's life forever. It's everlasting water. It's about the life that Jesus wants to give you and I. And I just want us to, I want to encourage us actually just to lean into this, that one of the things with the gospel writers is they believed eternal life, this idea of God's reign coming on our life. It starts now and it bleeds into eternity. And the encouraging thing for us is we can, it's kind of interesting that this is the text because we get to gather wherever. And I know, again, the church is always a gathered people together. 
But even on a morning like this morning where we're spread out and we're watching a video, a kind of a live stream together, that we could be these people that understand that we can worship anywhere. The Spirit's being given to us so that we can worship anywhere. We can experience this living water right here and right now. And then for those that maybe you're not a follower of Jesus or the way of Jesus, I just encourage you that this is available actually to you this morning. This is available to you today. That Jesus, just like this woman a couple thousand years ago, is inviting you to participate in his life, to turn from your way, to give your life to him and follow him in his way. And I would just encourage you to do that right now in this particular moment, that Jesus is inviting us to follow him with our entire lives. I think this is a beautiful story as, again, it leads us to Easter. And I believe the implications are here for us as imitators now. I just want to encourage us as we close, as imitators, which we're called to be. So Praxis Church for our community, just really simple, hit the ground kind of stuff. Um, as we're called to be imitators, just remember that as Jesus broke these barriers down now in return, we are called to break down these barriers. So the barriers, the racial barriers or the division barriers or the different things that are happening in our own context, in our own city, just as the Messiah came into a particular story and context, we too are called to move into a context and break these barriers down. I'll just say this, two gender barriers, the church should be the leading place where we we call all people, male and female, into life with God in breaking down some of the uh, gender stereotypes, the gender hostility that's been seen throughout the course of human history. And then I'll just say, we need to be people that break down the lifestyle barriers. As an invitation to the world around us, just remember that there's all sorts of people in our world that maybe live a different trajectory or different way, and yet Jesus seemed to embody this invitation to bring people in from their circumstances and then have them leave completely changed. What if the church could be like that? What if a people, we could be like this, even in very uncertain times, in the moment we live with viruses and all sorts of things going on, that people could live in fear that we would be these people that would live as Jesus did, imitators of him, imitating his way, and that's an invitation for us to invite all people in to follow the king of the universe. That's all we have for this morning. It's, I think, been a beautiful time to wrestle through, I think, one of the most important texts as we lead to Easter. Thanks for hanging in there. Hopefully you made it to the end. Uh, the songs, the readings, I hope it's been an encouragement to you. Stay in your Snuggie if you want. Uh, do, do what you're going to do today. We're really thankful to be a part of this community. Before I pray, there's just one announcement, and it's this. We had planned in a couple weeks on Wednesday, March 25th, to have a team night. We were going to do team night in preparation for Easter and just get all our teams together, do some training and just have some time together. We're actually going to cancel that. One of the reasons is on that evening, we wanted to have dinner and right now with just the current climate and everything that's going on, we want to give time, but as well, we just feel like it's the best thing right now to postpone that. So we will have a team night at some point this spring. What we will probably do is send out a video just with some instruction about the Easter season as we prepare, but just want to let you know, March 25th is a no-go for now. We love you guys. Grace and peace. Let me pray for you and pray for your week. Father, I thank you for our community. Thank you for the people that have taken the time to watch this. And I just pray that we would be the people of God that would embody what you have done, King Jesus. We would embody your way, your life. Lord, I know that so many of us have experienced this living water, this water that does not run out, this 
reign, you're the, your reign over our lives, this everlasting life. And I pray that everybody within earshot of this particular teaching and this particular liturgy would just hear that and respond to that. You offer us life and we step into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, friends.